And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. This your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. This tape will self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, Al Hodge stars as the masked vigilante with the sting of the Green Hornet from 1939. Then professional hostess Elsa Maxwell stars on the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show from 1945. With me to help present these classic radio shows is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? I'm still here. How are you, Carl? Good, Marty? good, good. What's good. happening in Hollywood? Well, Oprah Winfrey made the headlines this week. She will star in a megachurch TV drama series called Greenleaf. It's a new original series featuring Oprah Winfrey herself on the Oprah Winfrey Network. She will play Mavis McReady. She's the sister of the Greenleaf matriarch, Lady May Greenleaf. And this takes place in a Memphis megachurch. Hmm. And um, there's some non-virtuous issues, and things are just not as they seem behind the scenes. Sort of like a soap opera, or...? It uh, doesn't seem like a soap opera to mm-hmm. me. It seems like a drama. Okay. Um, mm, scripted drama. A scripted drama, and it will premiere June 21st and June 22nd All on right. the Oprah Winfrey Network. You got it. All right. Thanks, Lisa. It's called Green what? Greenleaf. Well, like I have the, the song. Well, I have the Green Hornet for you now. There you go. So that worked out really well. Definitely. Good Let's transition. go back to July 6, 1939 for Disaster Rides the Rails, starring Al Hodge as the Green Hornet. He hunts the biggest of all game, public enemies that even the G-men cannot reach. The Green Hornet. The events and characters depicted in this drama are fictitious. Any similarity to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. You're sure pouring it on. Must be hitting Mandy or better. Time for me to see Cunningham and Williams. Right here it is, drawing room A. Hello, Cunningham. Oh, it's you, Henning. What's the idea of coming in my drawing room without knocking? <laughs> why shouldn't I, Cunningham? After all, I'm the railroad detective on this run. I don't like it, that's why. Suppose someone stuck his nose in here when we were in the middle of a poker game. Me and Williams might be upset. We might not be able to fix the cards properly. The railroad would sure have my hide if anyone was working with you railroad gamblers. Huh? Does anyone suspect it? Relax, Cunningham. Relax. Nobody's wise to a thing. I was just talking. Talking gets people in trouble, Henning. I don't like it. Okay, okay. Here's your partner. Williams? Yeah. Same as usual. Out in the club car with the other passengers. Can't have any of those suckers think Williams and I know each other. That's right. They figured you two for a pair of card shops. You'd never get anybody to play cards with you. Have you gone through the train? That's what I came in to tell you. There's a couple guys in the club car look like good prospects. Pretty young and well-dressed. If you were in the club car, how is it you didn't see Williams? Maybe he had a newspaper up in front of his face. Don't be so suspicious, Cunningham. Why not? That's the only way I can be sure nothing goes wrong. This is a good racket, and I expect to keep it. That's okay by me, too. I get my cut, so it's to my interest to see nothing goes wrong. I'll go back in the club car and sit next to those two men. You know what to do. Maybe I ought to point them out. If you spotted them, it'll be easy for me. Just be sure we're supplied with the regular cards. Don't worry. They'll be marked all right. 
In the luxurious club car of the Limited, Cunningham sat down beside the two men described by the railroad detective. Unknown to Cunningham, one of these two men was Britt Reed, wealthy young publisher of the Daily Sentinel. Glad I ran into you, Reed. As long as we're on the same train, we can kill time together. Yes, Stafford, for a while, anyway. Quite a while. Three hours till we get to the city. There's a little work I have to turn out before then. Work? Reed, I can remember when just hearing that word made you shudder. <laughs> well, I still don't take it too seriously. Still, someone has to look after the family interests since Dad went out west. Suit yourself. Oh, I wish there was some excitement on this train. How do you happen to be taking it anyhow? I thought you never left the bright light. I was upstate at the racetrack. Did pretty well, too. A man with your money can afford to lose plenty. <laughs> I guess that's why I usually win. Whatever it is, horses, bridge, poker... Oh, excuse me. Huh? I couldn't help overhearing your conversation. If you're thinking of playing cards, don't do it on a train. <laughs> why not? Because you never know with whom you're playing. Take me, for instance. I make it a rule never to play cards with strangers. You're absolutely right about that. Oh, I don't know, Reed. I imagine I could be able to tell an honest man from a crook any time. Mm, perhaps you could. Oh, by the way, let me introduce myself. My name's Cunningham. Glad to know you. I'm Stafford. And this is Brick Reed. Oh, a pleasure. Say, <laughs> caution or no caution, I wouldn't mind a friendly game of cards right now. <laughs> Your friend is hard to convince, Mr. Reed. Excuse me for butting in. You gentlemen would like a fourth for bridge. How about me? Say, then we're all set. Well, just a moment. You or Reed know this man? Oh, what difference. I never saw him before, Cunningham. Oh, well. Well, here's my card. I'm a stockbroker. My name's Williams. Glad to know you, Williams. How about that game, you two? Sorry, I have some favors to go over. Count me out. It's just as well. I'm not so keen on bridge. Oh, no offense, uh, Williams, of course, but, uh... Say, how about some poker, then? The three of us. Why, yes. Oh, I haven't much cash with me. Suppose I lose. Would you take my check? Absolutely not. No checks. Oh, take it easy, Cunningham. We'll play for small stakes. If necessary, I don't mind cashing William's check. Very well. We can play in my drawing room. Right. See you later, Reed. Uh, this way. Hmm. You look all right, and Stafford has plenty of money still. Oh, pardon me. May I speak to you for a moment? Me? Uh, you're the railroad detective on this train, aren't you? Yes, you do. I guess. You look like a detective. I know lots of passengers play cards, even though it's against the rules. Hey, you're not worried about your friend. Why, one of those men is Mr. Cunningham. He's traveled this line for years. Uh -huh. I was just curious. But I look in once in a while, just to be on the safe side. It really seems possible, but I wonder... Well, I'll talk to Stafford later. It may prove interesting. Nothing's been going during my absence. I understand uh, Lowry's looking for me. Yes, he's very mysterious about oh, it. That's not like Lowry. When he has something, he wants to tell the world about it in newspaper headlines. It was a byline. <laughs> Let him come in. Anything else? That friend of yours, Mr. Stafford, is waiting. I told him to go into your private office. Stafford, huh? I missed him at the station. I wonder if my hunch was right. What hunch, Mr. Reed? Oh, never mind, Miss Kate. Uh, send for Lowry. Ah, Britt. I've been waiting for you. Oh, you look a bit disturbed, Stafford. Don't tell me you lost money playing poker with strangers. I lost plenty, Britt. I should have taken your advice and stayed away from those men. I thought as much. I'd swear that game was fixed, but there's no way of proving it. If only you'd been there watching. It takes an expert to detect crooked card tricks, Stafford. But I sent the railroad detective back there. He should have been able to tell. Some fellow did come in. Short, thick set. That's the one. Did he watch the game? Yes, he seemed to know Cunningham quite well. His name was Henning. So he was the detective, eh? Yes. He didn't notice anything out of the ordinary? Not a thing. <laughs> I guess if he couldn't find anything out of line, I was suspicious over nothing. Or else that detective is in with a crooked game. It's been known to happen. Hey, boss, am I glad you're back? I've got some inside dope that may build into a good yarn. Easy, Lowry. I have a visitor. Oh, 
Well, but Casey said they'd come right in. Now, this is Mr. Stafford, a friend of mine, Lowry. Hello. Hiya. Well, don't hold it back, Lowry. What's this inside dope? Boss, I pick up a lot of rumors around town about a big-time gambling ring operating on the railroads. On the railroads? Sure. Those trains are full of suckers waiting to be picked. Poor sats with more money than brain. <laughs> Whoa, Lowry, hold on. <laughs> What's so funny about that? Well, it so happens, Lowry, that uh, I'm one of those poor suckers. Huh? That's right. Stafford got into a poker game on the train and lost plenty. Well, well that's great. What? Well, that is, I, I don't mean about you getting hooked, Mr. Stafford, but if you've got proof about train gambling... Yeah, that's just the trouble. We have no proof, only suspicion. Oh. It takes more than that to get jail terms or a newspaper story. There must be plenty like Stafford here who ran up against this racket. Some of them must have proof. Yeah, I doubt it, Lowry. Besides, most of them are too ashamed to admit they've been victimized. That's true, Reed. Only reason I'm telling you is because you're my friend. I can't ever get around. I'd be laughed to death. Mm, looks like a story that didn't turn out. Perhaps we can find a story yet. One of those two men Stafford played with handed me a card to introduce himself. Those crooks carry fake cards by the dozen. Well, we still don't know them for crooks, definitely, so this name and address may be on the level. Check on it anyway. Okay. If we find anything, we'll use it. And so will the police. <laughs> Several days later, in Britt Reed's apartment. Mr. Reed's residence. This is Lowry, Cato. Let me talk to the boss. One moment, please. Where is it, Cato? Mr. Lowry. Oh, yes. I told him to call me when he got through checking up on that name and address I gave him. What did you find, Lowry? Not a thing, boss. That's the guy's real name, and he has got a brokerage business. Did you talk to him? No. He's always out on trips. But it's on the level. It's quite possible that this brokerage office is merely a front to cover his real activities. If it is, uh... I'd like to know how we're going to find out. Uh, Miss Case told me also phoned Henning, the railroad detective, but couldn't get anything from him. Now, that's right. We drove blank every place. But I'll keep lugging. Yeah, do that, Laurie. Did Mr. Laurie find anything, Mr. Britt? I didn't hear. Apparently, everything is innocent on the surface, Cato. This man Williams does run a brokerage business. Laurie found that out. Then uh, he's not a crew? Well, he could still run the business as a blind to cover his gambling. According to Laurie, Williams is away most of the time. If my idea is right, he may be spending that time on the trains looking for victims like Stafford. Yes, sir. And if this railroad detective Henning knows Cunningham, the other man in that poker game, as well as he says he does, he may be in on it, too. How'd you find out, Mr. Bitt? I'm checking on that right now, Cato. Hello, Central Depot. I'd like to speak with one of your railroad detectives, a man named Henning. Oh, yes, eh? What train? Oh, no, no message, thank you. He's not there? Oh, Henning's out on an assignment. He's leaving on the limited at 8.15. Cato, if those two fellows are card sharps and Henning is in with them, they're bound to pull their dirty work on the same train. Yes, sir, that's true. I'm going aboard that train to find out what I can. Are the Green Hornet, Mr. Bates? Oh, not the Green Hornet, Cato. That would be too risky. But I'll stay out of circulation as much as possible. Those two men as well as Henning have seen me before. Yes, sir. But I'll want the Green Hornet mask and gun handy in case they should be needed. Now, let me think, how can I do that without carrying them in my bag or someone might find them? Now, Cato, you'll have to take out the Black Beauty. The Hornet's car? Plenty fast enough to keep up with the Limited. Be sure the mask and the gun are in the car. Now, while you're driving, watch the observation platform. If I give the signal, you know I'll meet you at the next stop. Be sure to watch. That night, as the Limited sped through the darkness, Britt Reed stood in the rear of the observation platform. I've been through the whole train several times. No sign of Cunningham and Williams. Well, they must be in a drawing room if they're bored at all. I'll take another turn in a few minutes. If I draw a blank then, I'll signal Cato. But before Britt Reed could carry on his search, drama occurred aboard the Limited. 
In a drawing room toward the front of the train, Cunningham and Williams called Henning. What's up, Cunningham? What's up? Who's this guy lying on the floor? That's allowed, Henning. Williams and I were playing poker with him. He saw Williams slip a card out of his sleeve. He started to squawk and I hit him. He looks as if he might hit the corner of the table. We must get him out of here, off this train. I've already emptied his pockets. I put the ticket for this drawing room in his coat. We can't open that window, Cunningham. And these air-conditioned cars and windows are sealed. You can break glass. I'll lift him out. The train's going 80 miles an hour. We can't leave him here. When he comes to, we talk. This racket's too good to spoil. No one knows we took this drawing room, Henning. Only you. And you know better than to say anything. We'll sneak off the train to the next station. No one the wiser. Now, get his feet. Heavy. Wrap it up. We're passing close to the state highway. Lights up the side of the tracks like a Roman candle. There he goes. And no one the wiser. Now all we got to do is... Somebody pull the air brakes. It's part of the man we tossed out. Come on. Grab those bags. We're getting off this train before anyone starts a real checkup. The car door's open. Beat it, Cunningham. Come on, William. Back under the cockpit. Over the other side. Eddie, what happened? Who pulled the emergency car? Search me. Has there been an accident? You almost knocked me out of my berth. That engineer ought to be fired stopping like that. I pulled that emergency card. You... Don't you realize that's a criminal offense? I do, Conductor, but it was necessary. I was standing on the emergency platform and I saw a body fall off the train. Huh? Why, man, you you must be crazy. That young man's telling the truth. I saw it, too. Oh, it was horrible. Calm yourself, lady. How can I calm myself after that? And that's not all I saw. Now, look, madam, what else did you see? I, I was looking out the window. We were passing right close to the state road. And just before that, that body fell... I saw a long black car beside the train, and the man driving it wore a mask. I could see him clearly. He was so close. A black car and a man in a mask. Why, that's... That must be the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet? Are you sure you're not dreaming, madam? Of course I'm sure. The Green Hornet. You mean he might have had something to do with that body that fell from the train? Oh, I talk about that. Let's find the passenger who fell first. I'm sure he'll be dead when we find him. I'm sure of it. And the Green Hornet is the one who did it. A friend of Britt Reed lost a lot of money to railroad card shops, but nothing could be proved since the gamblers were very clever in their operations. Going aboard the Limited himself in an attempt to corner the card shops through a chain of circumstances, the Green Hornet is accused of murder. Yes? Oh, any news? Oh, the police expect to identify the man who fell off the train. Well, they've been expecting to identify him ever since it happened last night. Well, keep after them. We want to know. Wasn't that some story last night, Casey? Do you really think it was the Green Hornet, Lowry? Well, that woman claimed she saw his car just before that guy fell. But why are they calling it murder? Well, suppose the man jumped off the train. Wouldn't the fall be enough to kill him? Maybe, Casey. But murder makes a better story. What I want to know is, who was that guy? His pockets were empty, except for that ticket to drawing room A, car 92. That's where he fell from, all right. The window was busted out. Hello, Miss Case. Laurie, any identification yet? No, Mr. Reed. I'll call police headquarters again. Some yarn, huh, boss? I wonder who covered it for the sentence. Get me police headquarters. We scooped the other papers on it by an hour. Where were you? Last night, I was home in bed. First I heard about it was when I came in this noon. I phoned that story in. Huh? I was on that train when it happened. Holy cats, then you saw the Green Hornet. Was that woman's yarn on the level? Well, in a way. The Green Hornet's car was driving along beside the Limited. I saw it, but I don't believe the Green Hornet was directly involved. Now, you and Casey both. Why else would that car be there? Hello? Police headquarters? I want no, to... I'll take it, Miss Case. Britt Reed talking. Any identification on that man who fell off the Limited? 
Well, you have, huh? Hello? Are you positive? There's no mistake. Oh, we'll print it all right. Who was it, Mr. Reed? That man was Morelli. Morelli? The big shot gambler from upstate? Well... Lowry, keep after that fellow Williams. I'm not sure, but it seems more than coincidence that gambling is the keynote of everything connected with this death. Williams? Was he on that train, boss? I didn't see him, but he might have been. And a man like Morelli doesn't commit suicide. Someone pushed him through that window. And I don't think it was the Green Hornet. Reed arrived at his apartment carrying a small parcel under his arm. There he spoke to Cato, his valet, and the only living man to know him as the Green Hornet. And that man has been identified as Marelli, the gambler, Cato. Very bad last night, Mr. Bed. Well, it's a good thing that woman saw you driving the black duty beside the railroad tracks. The men who threw Marelli off the limit will be expecting a call from the Green Hornet. And they won't be disappointed. Open that parcel. Yes, sir. Luckily, I was able to flash you a danger signal from the train last night so that you turned the black duty around and got away. Yes, sir. Very fortunate. What? Mr. Briff, you buy a toy? Careful how you handle that, Cato. I don't want our fingerprints to get on it. Uh, I don't understand. I bought this little toy railroad car on the way home. Notice how well it's built. Glass windows, everything. Uh, hand me that metal ashtray. A yeah, small one on the table. Yes, sir. I had a special reason for getting this toy car, Cato. No one saw me get it. I sent a small boy into the toy shop while I stayed outside. What are you doing, Mr. Briff? Breaking one of the windows in this little toy. <clears throat> Are the mask and the gun still in the Black Beauty, Cato? Yes, Mr. Ritt. The police are on the lookout for the Green Hornet, so we'll have to be especially careful tonight. Bring the toy railroad car along. No fingerprints. Picking up the toy, Cato followed Britt Reed through the secret panel behind a clothes press in the apartment, then along a narrow passageway built within the walls of the building, and down a flight of stairs that led directly to the supposedly abandoned warehouse that housed the car of the Green Hornet. I'll drive. Put the toy car where it'll be handy when I want it. Yes, Mr. Bates. Careful. Wipe it off with your handkerchief. Yes, sir. There are three men involved in Morelli's death. All three of them are going to meet the Green Hornet. And uh, that's the first portion of the Green Hornet with Disaster Rides the Rail starring Al Hodge. Let's take a break, then it's more on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Welcome back to Hollywood 360. We're tuning into the Green Hornet. Let's go back to July 6, 1939 for Disaster Rides the Rails on the Green Hornet. Fleet squad and police aided by railroad detectives are working to solve the death of Gambler Morelli who fell or was thrown off the Limited last night. By checking over the tickets issued to the passengers, authorities have learned that two tickets were issued and are still unaccounted for. It is believed that the passengers may be involved. Every effort is being made to... What's the matter with you, Henning? Well, really, that's what. Take it easy, Henning. Nobody knows it was us. Why did you two guys pick him for a sucker out of all the people who was riding the train? He didn't tell us his name. We thought he was just another amateur looking for a hand up poker. No wonder Morelli saw you pawn that card, Williams. He's an expert. All the more reason for taking care of him. Yeah, sure. We had a good record on those trains. 
Morelli must have been trying to cut in on us. That don't mean you had to handle him that way. What'd you expect us to do? Use kid gloves? There wasn't time to figure things out. We worked fast because we had to. I'm supposed to be out right now looking for the guys who pulled this job. And all the time I'm wise to the whole setup. You're in as deep as we are. I didn't do no killing. You were there when we dumped Morelli overboard. What does that prove? That makes you an accomplice after the fact, Henning. As a detective, we don't have to explain that any further. So just remember, it's to your best interest to make every effort to keep us from being caught. What do you think I'm doing? So far, yes. But don't change. It only hadn't been Morelli. Well, it was Morelli. Stop harping on it. We didn't realize it until we got back here and took a look in his wallet. Where's the stuff now? It's safe. I have it locked up along with our marked cards. We'll get rid of them all at the same time. What's the idea waiting? You should have ditched that stuff long ago. We had our hands full making sure nobody spotted us when we sneaked away from that train last we night. We came straight here. If we tried to get rid of those things on the way, someone might have remembered us. All right, why don't you burn them? Because leather won't burn you, fool. Morelli's initials are on that wallet. Hold on. What? What's the matter? thought I heard a sound from the next room. I don't hear anything. It's your imagination, Henning. No, I tell you. It was like somebody went in a clock or something. Pipe dreams. Yeah? What was that? He's right, Cunningham. That was a window. We'll soon find out. See, Henning? The room's empty. There's no one here. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you... What's that on the floor? It's moving. Put on the lights. What the... It's a little toy. A mechanical toy. How'd they get here? It's a toy railroad car. Look... One of the windows knocked out. Somebody was on a bus last night. Here's a piece of paper. Rolled into one end of the car. Oh, look at it. If this is a cute little joke one of you is pulling, putting this toy car here and... Look! This paper stamped with a seal. The seal of the Green Hornet. The Green Hornet? I knew there was someone here. I heard him. But how do you know it was us? That car of his. It was alongside the train last night. That's the answer. He must have seen what happened. And he saw because the cops are looking for him instead of us. Hold it. What I want to know is what's he going to do? Shut up, Henning. You have an idea, Cunningham? The Hornet can't tell the police about us. They never believe him. Besides, if he's after money, he can't get any unless he finds Morelli's wallet and uses that against us. Well, the wallet's here. It won't be long. Here's all the evidence. Henning, you're going to take it out and get rid of it. Dump it in the river, any place. If that green hornet comes back, I don't want it around. After leaving the toy car in Cunningham's apartment, Brett Reed left by the fire escape. He and Cato waited below. I overheard their conversation before I left, Cato. Morelli's wallet was still there, hidden away. Yes, sir. I won't dare keep it around on after they got my warning. And whoever comes out to get rid of that evidence... Keep back in the shadows. Someone's coming. Just like Cunningham making me do all the dirty work. Gotta get rid of these things. Don't move, Henning. The green horn. I want what you're carrying. You won't get it. Let me buy it. Take it. Up in the light. You don't dare follow me. Yes, you... Yes, me. I can't breathe. Grab him. Pull him inside that alley. I, I understand. I'll call the police now. Get them over here when Henning comes to. You watch him. I'll be back in a minute. Leaving Cato to guard the unconscious railroad detective, Britt Reed put the green hornet mask and weapon in his pocket and headed for the nearest phone. He called police headquarters, and when they answered... I want to speak to the officer in charge of the Morelli investigation. He ain't here. He's out with a reporter named Lowry. They got a lead on some guy named William. Call him up. Tell him to forget about William's place. There's no one there. Who's this caller? Never mind. Take this tip and use it. Tell him to get over to 1724 East 51st. A man named Cunningham. Don't forget, if he wants to solve the Morelli job, 1724 East 51st. Reed returned to Cato. He replaced his green hornet mask. The police will be here very soon, Cato. Take that bag with the evidence. I'll carry Henning. What are we doing, Mr. We're returning Henning and the evidence to the place they came from. (laughs) 
Johnny him? Are you sure we can trust Henning? He knows better than to cross us. And why isn't he back here? He's had plenty of time to ditch that stuff. That must be Henning now. Henning! Well, he's been gassed. Somebody propped him against the door. The Green Hornet. Whoever it was, there's no time for talk. Pull him inside. <laughs> he's coming around. Close the door fast. Okay, uh... Cunningham, the bag with all that stuff, that's here, too. What happened? I, I, I thought about Henning. Come on. Don't let him get away. The Green Hornet, he gassed me, took the bag. Took it nothing. It was outside the door. He brought it back. Get it out of here, Williams. Hurry. And see if this Green Hornet doesn't get you the way he did Henning. Okay. It's him. He's back. Oh, the Hornet, huh? Don't move any of you. The police. I'll take this guy. Let me go. Resisting an officer. You won't get me. What, Cunningham? Go for that desk drawer. Put down that gun. I'll get you before I do. Robert. Oh, my arm. My arm. Let go. Are you going to drop that gun? Nice work, Hardy. I've got the gun now. You, you'll pay for this police or no police. Sure, you can't come buttoning on private citizens. Who are you? I know these two. They were described to me, but I never saw you before. Where's your search warrant? I recognize him, Lowry. He's Henning, a railroad cop. That's how he knows about warrants. Come on, talk. What do you know about Morelli? Never heard of him. And I suppose Henning never heard of him either. Did you, Henning? Hey, what are you reaching after that bag for? Why, no reason. Nothing at all. Give me that. I'll dump this stuff on the table. Playing cards and dice. So you guys are gamblers. Here's a wallet. Let me look at the name on it. Morelli's wallet. We don't know a thing about that stuff. It's not ours. We'll see about that when the fingerprints are checked. Looks like you two are going to get what's coming to you. I don't know a thing about... How about about Henning? Where does he fit in? Me? Why, why, it's this way. I was on a trail of these crooks, too. I came up here to nab and he almost got me before you came. You'll need a better story than that, Henning. I'm innocent. I I can't have that rat. He was in with us. You yellow squealer. Don't believe him. He's as guilty as we are. Listen, buddy. I'll talk. I'll turn state's evidence. It wasn't me. I knew about it, but, but they're the ones. They killed Morelli. It was that Green Hornet. If it hadn't been for him, we'd never have been caught. If I ever get my hands on him, I'll... Listen, Cunningham. Trying to grab that guy is like trying to grab a handful of air. Nobody ever got the Green Hornet yet and take it from me. Nobody ever will. you have just heard is a copyrighted feature of the Green Hornet Incorporated. And that's the Green Hornet from July 6, 1939 with Disaster Rides the Rail starring Al Hodge. You know, Al Hodge later, Lisa, became Captain Video when he uh, when television came about. So he stuck around a long time. He did radio and then moved right into television with a different show. That was heard on Mutual. Hope you enjoyed that. All right, it's time now for the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy Show. How a ventriloquist was popular on radio, I will never know. And our listeners continue to ask for this show as, never as well as this I do as well. You know, Charlie McCarthy and Edgar Bergen and uh, all of his, uh, his gang there, they used to have guest stars. And on this episode, they have professional hostess Elsa Maxwell. And uh, Elsa and Charlie have a fight at one of her parties. Let's tune this in November 4th, 1945 for the Charlie McCarthy Show. The Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ben Grauer, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snurd, Ursula Twing, and our guest for the evening, the internationally famous hostess, Miss Elsa Maxwell. Here's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. (laughs) 
Well, Charlie, tomorrow we'll, we'll be saying au revoir to little old New York. Yeah, well, we sure had fun here, haven't we? Yeah. We wore the old town out. <laughs> yeah. See, did you get in touch with the baggage man? Yes, I took care of it. That's fine. He's already got his truck parked under your hotel window. I guess. <laughs> yes. And tomorrow we're off to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City? Yes, yes. I'll be there next Sunday. Uh, sort of a request to the governor. Well, I thought your parole was up last year. No, wait a minute. No, no, young man. I didn't know. Charlie, why haven't you been present at meals the last few days? Well, because I was absent. I see. And why have you been absent? Well, because I wasn't present. I know. Well, shall we go around again? No, no, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've been acting mighty strange lately. Yes, sir. What's gotten into you? Well, that's just it. Nothing, nothing, I think. <laughs> the, the horrible truth is I haven't eaten for five whole days, Mr. Bergen. You haven't eaten? No, sir. That's why I'm so weak. Malnutrition has already set in. Is that true? Well, explain your actions. I don't understand. Well, it's like this, Bergen. You went and cut off my allowance last week, didn't you? I certainly did. Yes. So, I'm on a hunger strike. Oh, I see. So that's it now. Yes, sir. A hunger strike. Yes, I'm right. That's what it is. Yes. Yes, sir. And I'm, I'm just being sick of being punished all the time. Is that so? Yes. But, young man, you're only punished when you deserve it. Well, that's what I say. I'm sick of being punished all the time. I don't know. <laughs> I don't I'm not going to quibble. I'm just going to hunger. I'll get my point. What are you babbling about? Look at it. No, please. Uh, no, please, please. I know no mood to take a jolly listen. Uh, so that's it now, a hunger strike. Yes. You know, I think you're blush- bluffing. Well, make up your mind, will you? <laughs> Why don't you sit on my knee? No, no. <laughs> you don't know what I have to go through up here. I am practically doing a single. All right. Yeah. Are you bluffing about this hunger strike? No, sir. I'm serious. And I'm just going to keep right on starving until you give in and I get my full allowance back. And that's it. Even even if I demise myself doing it. Oh, I see. And I... Uh, I would argue more, but those hunger things. Oh, oh, oh. Charlie. Don't you think you deserve to be punished after the way you fought with Fred Allen last week? Please, please. Don't mention that fiend in comedian's clothing to me. He caused all my trouble, that dirty dog. Oh, now, now, please, Charlie. Now, I'm, I'm sure that Fred Allen, you know, you know he's an old friend of mine. I don't care about that. And I, and I think he's really, he really likes you deep down inside. Yeah, well, I got a warm spot for him, too. But he won't go there. Oh. <laughs> so that's the way you feel. Why, I clip him like a hedge. If he... Wait, wait. Well, I mean, if I was stronger. Yes, yes. Of course, I'm so weak now. I... I'm just doing it. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you didn't sound so weak a moment ago. No, but I am. I'm, I'm wasting away, Bergen. Already my poor little legs, they're so skinny. I have to wear garters to hold up my garters. Is that true? 
That's pretty skinny. And you know how cute they used to be. Oh, Oh, this is really serious, Charlie. Why, the worst may happen. Oh, well, it's quite all right. I've remembered you in my will. I see. I'm leaving you all the money you owe me. I see. (laughs) Well, Charlie, I think I'd better take your temperature. Well, you've taken everything else. (laughs) Oh, the pain. Oh, everything. Everything is getting dark. Dark. Ain't I pitiful? <laughs> I think you're exaggerating. No, I'm not, Mr. Bain. Could I talk to Anita and Ray before the end comes? Yes, yes, I'll call them. I'm too weak here. Yeah. Oh, Anita and Ray, uh, Charlie wants to see you. Oh, come here, yeah. come here. Uh, yeah. Oh, I say, Charlie, why so glamour, boy? Well, I thought you ought to know, Ray. Uh-huh. I'm dying. Oh, how inconvenient. <laughs> Can I help you? Yes. Charlie is on a hunger strike. Oh, yeah. strike. How jolly. Can I pick it? No. no. You don't understand. I haven't tasted food for five days. Well, my dear old boy, don't worry about that. It still tastes the same, you know. Oh, Charlie, are you really sick? Oh, yes, Anita, my sweeter, yes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I hope it wasn't the ice cream I brought you yesterday. Yeah, that, uh, what was this about ice cream? Well, no, no, no. I can explain oh, yeah. that. I thought so. You see, it was it was only to cool my fever brow. Yes, of course. I always use strawberry-flavored ice pack. I thought so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I say, Charlie, old boy, I wouldn't starve to death if I were you. You'll only live to regret it. Uh-huh. Uh, live? Not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a clever observation, at all. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's things like that that make going pleasant. <laughs> I really think it's my duty to cheer you up, yeah. even if it depresses you. Yeah. I know. I'll tell you one of my excruciatingly humorous witticisms. You'll love it. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Hit a guy when he's down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Suffer, I'm so hungry. Hungry? Yeah. What? You hungry after all that food I've been hoisting up to your window? Yeah, well, oh, hoisting food up, starving. Yeah, well, now, I can explain. Yes, I think you better, young man. Come to think of it now, I'm pretty sure you were eating when I came in here. What makes you think so? Well, your, your, your mouth was moving. Well, that doesn't prove anything. Your mouth is moving right now when you ain't eating. Uh, uh, Hoisting food, strawberry ice cream. You know, I believe you've got stomach pain. You do? Yes, I do. But I think it's from overeating. What do you got to say to that? Well, I will... Uh, Unquote. Yes. (laughs) I thought so. Uh, Now, just a moment, Charlie. Come back here. I got to see a man about a stomach pump. Yeah, Oh, hello, Mr. Bergen. Yes, yes. And what are you doing there? Hmm? What are you doing? What are you working on? Well, I'm, I'm learning a poem. Oh, you're learning a poem. Very easy, though. No. Mm. Very easy. No. Are you poetic? Wonderful, too. Hmm? I... <laughs> I say, are you poetic? No. No, I'm learning it. Yeah, I know you're learning <laughs> my, my teacher gave me a poem that's supposed to help my, my recommendation. Yes. Your memory? Yeah. Well, what's wrong with your memory? What? What's wrong with your memory? Well, well, it's, um, it's sort of, it's, um, well, it's, uh, 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 what was the question? What was the... 
Well, your memory is bad. Yeah. You realize a, a poor memory will hold you back? Well, yes. Well, I wasn't going no place. <laughs> well, we'll drop that. Yeah. Yes. Now, what's the poem about? Hmm? What's the poem about? Well, about four lines, but I can't seem to get it. I see, about four lines. Well, let's see. Let me see. Oh, yeah, well... Oh, yeah, yes, that's the cat and the fiddle. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. The cat and the fiddle. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll help you with it. Of course, you already know the first line. Mm-hmm. I say you already know the first line. I do? Yes. <laughs> I just read it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is it? Oh, it's, um... It's, um... <laughs> <laughs> just my brains is all thumbs today. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't know the first line. Well, not completely. No, I see. Well, what's the first word? Well, the first word. Yes. Well, the first word is, um, is, um, uh, uh, hmm. Concentrate. Yeah. No. No, no. No. Now, I'll help you get started. Hi. Hi. Hi, Mr. No. 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 Hi, diddle diddle, the cat and the... Kitten? No. Cat in the mouth. No, not the cat in the mouth. Oh. Fiddle. No, don't play a note. I know you're wrong. No, no, no. no. Let's try the next line. I did a little the cat in the fiddle. What? The cow ran off the clock. No, 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 no. No. What? The cow jumped over the moon. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've milked lots of cows in my time, but I, I never met one that was that ticklish. Never <laughs> No, please. I didn't come here to be last that. All right. right, right, right. <laughs> Never mind. Now, what's the next line? Oh, it's got... It's, uh... No coaching, please. No coaching. Uh, what is the next line? Yeah. The little dog laughs to see such sport. Shoot if you must his whole gray head. No, 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 no. That's wrong. What is... Well, the dish ran away with a spoon. Well, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they'll be happy together. Yeah, that's all. Yeah. Mortimer, how can you be so stupid? Well, it's an old family recipe. I imagine that. And that's the first portion of the Charlie McCarthy Show from November 4th, 1945. Special guest, Elsa Maxwell. Let's take a break, and then it's more here on Hollywood 360. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Hey, Maureen Kelly, how are you? You uh, you still around? You I'm here. You haven't fallen asleep yet? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> okay, so Maureen uh, endorses a product called Apizen. It's how we got involved with uh, Apizen. And Lisa and I use it. Also, Mike Estella here uses it. And thousands and thousands of people all across the country use it. How long has Epizen been around, Maureen? Uh, Epizen has been around since 2009. And we have thousands and thousands of people that are using it. And there's a reason why, because it works. And just go over a few of the uh, of the skin uh, ailments that this helps. Well, uh, Epizen helps. Anything from um, wounds, cuts, sores, rashes, uh, eczema, psoriasis, 
uh, bug bite, uh, shingles. It works for babies. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that. So there's a lot of people listening. There's parents and grandparents that have babies, and babies are very, uh, very easily can can get a skin condition or a diaper rash, right? They're Lisa? very prone, for very sure. Very prone for and that, yeah. Is it safe to put on a baby's skin, Maureen? Absolutely. You can treat the baby's diaper rash to cradle cap to amelia or itching itchy dry skin on a baby, and it's very, very safe. Well, very good. So go to the website. It's epizyn, E-P-I-Z-Y-N dot com. Check out their website, or you can call their toll-free number, 1-844-ZINC for us. That's 844-ZINC, the numeral four, and then the word us. So 1-844-ZINC for us. Next time, we'll tune into the conclusion to the Charlie McCarthy Show. Then we'll open the creaking door, Lisa, for an inner sanctum mystery that you won't want to miss. We'll see all of you on our next program.